0: Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, this is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Fans of all kinds of all sports, welcome back to None So Strong Boxing Podcast. I'm your host and professional heavyweight boxer, T. Diddy. Now today... We're going to go over the fights from this weekend and the fights coming up actually tonight. They actually have Thursday fights tonight on Zone, live on Zone Network. So if you had an app Zone, you can log in uh, and there are going to be some actually some good fights on here. Um, the main one is the Tevin Farmer fight, the one that interests me the most. Um... I don't know. Tevin Farmer, he's been inter- he's been interesting to me ever since he ran up on Javante Tank Davis and called him out years and years ago. Uh, that was actually before he won a world title. So Javante Davis's comeback was win a title first and then talk to me. He was like, "Why should I fight you?" I'm champion. You don't have nothing I want. I'm just giving you a chance. How can you call me out? And to Tevin Farmer's credit, he actually went and won a championship. And he went overseas and won a championship. And when he did that, of course, now he come back and call out uh, Tank Davis. And now it's a legitimate fight. We can unify our championships. Unfortunately. Tank Davis had a problem with controlling his weight. Uh commonly boxers sometimes fall into that category where you know we we lose weight and we trim down for a fight and then we blow up after the fights. You know, when the fight's over and blow up I mean as in gain a lot of weight. That's not good. So, a very disciplined fighter and the first person I can think of uh, of all time in boxing that kind of exemplified this would be Bernard Hopkins. But Bernard Hopkins walked around in his fight weight. He always, he was a gym rat. Uh, he stayed on a great diet and he was very disciplined. And disciplined in the fact that He ate well, he worked out even between fights and he kept his weight down so he never had to really lose a lot of weight for fights. If you think back in boxing history a lot of fighters have been mal affected about this weight loss going up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, Some of them that come to mind right now is Marcos Madonna you know the guy that Defeated, gave Adrian Broner his first loss from Argentina. Um, he actually gets up to almost 200 pounds in between fights. And he fights at 147. So imagine coming down in weight from 200 pounds and trimming all the way down to 147 pounds. And then once you fight, then you go back up, you know, 180, 190. And then you do it all over again next time you get a fight. So I can see how realistically and that could be a problem because, you know, up and down with your health, up and down with your weight is very taxing on the body. So things like that, we'll just put that to boxers, all you boxers that's listening and even people who aren't boxers, keep your weight down. Stay disciplined, you know, um, drink a lot of water, uh, stay in the. Uh, have a regular gym routine. Um, even on the off season, because like I've been watching a lot of documentaries uh, and even uh, I'm going to get into this later. But even in the offseason after, uh, I think it was 2008, that uh, the Lakers lost the basketball championship to the Boston Celtics. Um, they said Kobe Bryant was walking off the court crying. And the first thing that Paul Pierce said and Kevin Garnett was, we better get ready for next season. And... He started preparing for the offseason. Like, as soon as they lost, he went into training. He didn't wait till the next season started, to the next preseason, to the next training camp. And I heard that about Michael Jordan also that he prepares for you in the offseason. That's when he does his weight training, his strength training, conditioning, explosive work. And he's They said players get better in the offseason. You can tell who put in the work. And someone like Shaquille O'Neal was criticized, even by Kobe Bryant, as if he had a better work ethic, we could have won at least 10 championships in a row. He would get in shape during the basketball season. They said he would show up fat and out of shape, And he will work himself into shape as game after game after game go by. And it will, you know, let's say around All-Star break or whatever, he's back in shape by then because you played, you know, 40 games. So that's a thing that we have to avoid as um, athletes and as people. Okay, now let's go over the fights that are actually tonight. We have a DAZN. Fight, and it actually brings up uh, some interesting commentary because what are your thoughts about these YouTubers and these bloggers becoming boxers, having these famous boxing fights, and they have never fought before; they don't have any amateur experience. They're actually scheduling boxing matches with people that has never fought fought before and making them the main event over world champion boxers. The most, the first, I would say, uh, is KSI versus Logan Paul. Um, On the undercard was Devin Haney, (laughs) you know, a world champion. And several other world champions fought on the undercard of Logan Paul versus KSI. I mean... I'm kind of on the fence about it um, in the fact that, let's say, the obvious. The bad part is it's kind of a disrespect to boxing. I mean, it's okay to showcase them, but by no means make them the main event. You know what I mean? Like, okay, they're on the undercard. You know, they have their fight, or if you want to call it a fight, they have their fight, and... You know, however it goes, good or bad, then the main event is a true boxing, legitimate championship fight. Um, so the only in the flip side of this would be they're bringing in millions and millions and millions of new fans to boxing. Uh, some of the YouTubers, you know, they have two million followers on YouTube they have three, four million followers, 10 million followers. So monetarily, it's advantageous for somebody like Eddie Hearns to put them on because he's streaming fights from an app called The Zone, whereas if you wanna watch the fights tonight, you have to go download The Zone and buy a membership. So what he's thinking is, this guy has five five million followers, And the guys he's fighting has 6 million followers on YouTube. And that's not even including Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat or Facebook. He's thinking that's 11 million followers that watch everything these guys do daily. So if I'm trying to get more subscribers to my app and you can only watch the fight if you buy a subscription... That's potentially 11 million new subscriptions to my app, which means that is big, big money, big money. And um, with the app, you can do a free trial for a week, I think, or you can pay month to month, or you can pay once a year. So I just bought the year membership because if you want to watch any Anthony Joshua fight. Of course, it's on the zone. You need the app. Uh, this guy had a billion dollars. Just think about it. They gave this guy a billion dollars—one billion dollars. Go sign as many fighters as you can. This was the agenda. Go sign many fighters as you can. Let's rival the status quo. Let's rival the existing networks which were prevalent in watching boxing was HBO, Showtime, and ESPN. Let's see if we can rival these channels. So I'm gonna give you a billion dollars and you can go buy as many venues, fight dates, site fees, sign fighters, just do whatever you can do. That's basically what happened. He started throwing. He know he couldn't compete, you know, uh, with the lineage or the history of the networks like HBO, Showtime. So his his whole agenda was: I'm gonna throw so much money at these fighters that I'm gonna give them more than market value. That way, they come fight for me on my new network called the Zone. And then people would be forced to come by my channel. So he would win by, you know, subtraction. And it was, I must say it was brilliant. It was brilliant. People had no choice because, okay, if he get fighters that people don't think, you know, people not interested in, of course, he's going to fail. But first he had the most valuable commodity at the time not at this time well money wise he's still the most valuable commodity because he generates more money than anybody in the sport so even with the loss and that would be anthony joshua um he had anthony joshua the heavyweight champion he had three out of the four belts heavyweight championship belts in the heavyweight division. The only other belt that he didn't have was owned by the WBC, was owned by Deontay Wilder. So he was like, if you want to – I mean, boxing starts and finishes and flourishes and fails with the heavyweight division. I mean, it's just a fact. I'm not saying that because I'm a heavyweight. That is a fact. Boxing comes and goes with the heavyweight division. I mean – true the smaller divisions have more speed more skills more punches thrown but it's just something humanly interesting about a big man that can throw one punch and render you helpless render you unconscious knock you out with one punch Instead of, me, instead of me watching you get hit 300 times in fall, if I can see you get hit one time or maybe two and you're totally knocked out, that's a lot more entertaining to the eye. And if you think about it, I mean, just think about back in boxing. The heavyweight champions always carry boxing. Number one of all time has to be Muhammad Ali. He carried boxing. And after him, Larry Holmes came, but he was in the post-Ali era, so no one really liked him. But then, bam, Mike Tyson. You tell me a boxer. I even use both of them. You tell me a boxer more popular than Iron Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali. I'm waiting. Thank you. And think about it, they're both heavyweights. Then you got Evander Holyfield, Lenny Lewis, you can start throwing in all kind of names after that. But boxing kind of comes and goes with the heavyweight division. If you notice, boxing was on a decline for a few years and guess why? We had no exciting heavyweight champions. Uh, this, would, this is what I would call the dark ages. This was the time that Vladimir Klitschko and Vitali Klitschko pretty much took over the heavyweight division. They're two brothers. They were both champions simultaneously but refused to fight each other. So he was like, you take these two belts, I'll go win the other two belts, and we'll just beat up the world, and we'll both. The brothers, the Clisco brothers, were rule boxing. This was a great plan, and it worked. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the last champion we had was Lennox Lewis, and he wasn't even our champion. He's from overseas, but he's black, so we kind of adopted him. Um, Lennox Lewis fought Vitali Clisco in a life-or-death fight. I mean... I've never been so impressed with someone in losing a fight as I was with Vitaly Klitschko. He was actually ahead on all three scorecards, so it's hard to say he was losing. He was winning the fight, but Lennox Lewis luckily cut him over the eye and the fight was stopped because they couldn't get the cut to stop bleeding. So he won on a technicality. It's not luck if you cut somebody's eye. So I won't say it was lucky, but he was getting beat up and he wasn't going to win the fight from what I was seeing. So what does Lennox Lewis do? The whole world and the boxing commission calls for an, an immediate rematch. Lennox like, man, I barely got out of that fight with the hair of my chinny chin chin. So guess what? You think I'm finna go do it again? Nope. I got my victory. I'm moving on. Matter of fact, y'all gonna force me to fight him again in the crowd and the fans? No one's gonna accept me fighting someone else of a uh, lesser caliber? I retire. Yep, you heard it. I retire. He retired instantly because his future could not proceed. Without rematching Vitaly Klitschko. And some fighters are smart enough to, like they say in Texas, you gotta know how to know when to hold them and you gotta know when to fold them. He knew when to fold them. Some fighters actually like, I wanna go out on top. I wanna go out on top. I wanna go out a winner. They have that mentality. Now there's another mentality in the Warriors code like that I learned from Mike Tyson. And he's like, true champions don't retire with the belt. You know, and you gotta think about it. He Mike Tyson comes with the Warriors code. You know, it's it's different. It's not the way you think, it's not the way I think, it's not the way the masses think. It's the way a war when you say warrior. A warrior is someone who fights to the death. You know, some fighters fight, but they're not willing to fight to the death. You know, me being one of them, like, I mean, it was two fights in my whole career. Right now, I have 38 pro fights. So I almost have 40 professional fights, not including amateur or underground or street fight, none of that, professional, sanctioned professional uh boxing matches only twice can i remember thinking i have to die in this i'm willing to die in this ring to beat me he have to kill me and i'm willing to to sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice which is my life to win or lose this fight uh it was a fight when i was 5 and 0 versus a different guy that was also 5-0. and o. We both had the same record. And in my head, it was a crossroads fight because a lot of people said, you're undefeated, he's undefeated. Why fight each other 5-0 and o versus 5-0? and o? Why not let the fight marinate? Why not wait till you both 15-0, 15-0? Why not wait till you both 20-0, and 20-0, 25-0? Make a big pay-per-view like Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. I think one of them I think they're both like 20 something and oh, 28 and oh you know close getting close to 30 and oh something like that. So big mega fights kind of happen later. Look at um Deontay Wilder and uh, at the time uh Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder is like 42 and oh you know uh joshua was like 24 and no i think uh i think tyson fury is like 28 and zero, twenty nine 29 and oh so they kind of make big big mega fights later so why would i call this guy out when i'm 5 and no and he's 5 and no Well, the reason is this i went to his fights like you know fighters you see it mostly on a high level but you should see it more on the lower level. On a high level, you see fighters attend fights of fighters in their weight division. So he's been on my radar. You know, he was a junior Olympic champion and this, this, and that. So whenever I seen that he was fighting, I would make it my business to go watch him fight because I'm thinking I know I'm going to have to fight this guy one day. So let me, let me watch him. So I went to one of his fight, he knocked somebody out. I went to another fight, he knocks. It was impressive, but, you know, I'm thinking, ah, nothing I can't handle. But then I went to one fight of his, and he actually scored a knockout. But he got hit with a counter right hand. And at the time, which is something I need to start back practicing on, but at the time, I was fighting out of the... Mayweather shoulder roll, you know, style because I had a trainer. Uh, We're not going to say his name right now because he's not on my good side. So I'm not going to give him no pub. But I had a trainer at the time that was like best friends with Floyd's daddy, Floyd Sr. So I guess he was doing the hand pass just like Floyd Sr. So I was like, and you don't really see heavyweights or heavier weight fighters you know, training like lightweights, training like welterweights. But he had me with them the same drills, like I can actually do most of the drills that Floyd Mayweather used to do on the uh, pads with Roger. And you know, I was fast, but the main premise of the Mayweather style offensively and defensively is the shoulder roll. And that's when someone throws a right hand and you turn and block it with your shoulder And you come back with a right hand So it's like a counter right hand And when I was watching him He was fighting It's funny story I'm going to go ahead and tell you He was fighting this little guy named Wolverine Wolverine was a fighter That virtually lost every fight he ever had But He would give the greatest effort And fights until he got knocked out. And a few people, he knocked them out. He had tremendous fight, heart. He had a little nice power, but you know, his chin and his technique was very bad. So the thing was, he's gonna give you a fight until you knock him out. But if you're not careful, he'll knock you out. That was kind of his, the stigma, his His uh, reputation, as I would say. So even though he was losing every fight, he was losing the top fighters, though. He was fighting undefeated fighters, Olympians, and different things like that. And they knew if you wanted to test your fighter and you wanted to see what he got, you wanted to see if he going to scratch or he going to curve, throw him in there with Wolverine. He was like a little gatekeeper because he he don't care how big you are. He don't care how mean you look. You don't care how many muscles you got. When he fights you, and shout out to Wolverine. I don't even know his real name. I can find out. But if you're listening to this, uh, you did. You never became champion. You never won a belt. But you were very instrumental in shaping and forming certain fighters. And you're very entertaining to the crowd. So I just want to give you. You know, you don't only give credit to people who, like Mayweather, went 50-0 and and never lost. A fight is a fight. As long as you show up and you come to fight, I respect you. Because to train for a fight and to put yourself in front of a large crowd, knowing that you can be knocked out and embarrassed, hurt, or worse, even killed, i must respect all fighters i must respect all fighters and hopefully people will respect all fighters because what they do isn't easy i mean you can take the uh worst boxer with the worst record and he still can beat up all normal people all people who don't train uh anybody in the crowd just want to have a fight with him he'll beat him up like he still can fight. He probably can't fight on the level of the elite boxers, but just a normal Joe Blow, he will beat you up <laughs> and possibly hurt you. So it's, you're making fun of somebody that can beat you up. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, I mean, okay, it's fine to be a critic, but just have some level of respect for all fighters. Anyone who's brave enough to go in you know, climb between those ropes and put yourself out in front of a crowd because I've often said that um, I don't mind losing in private. I just hate losing in public. You know what I mean? And if I got to lose a fight or get knocked out, I'd rather be in private or out of town where nobody knows me and I can just get my check and come back to town and nobody even know I had a fight. Versus fighting, you know, in your hometown, in front of everybody you know. You know, all your friends, family, your girlfriend, your, your wife, your, your children, your, your coach, your teachers. You know, it is, it meant your peers, your coworkers. It is immense pressure to perform under those lights. And then you gotta think about it, even when you're sparring, you know, training for a fight, it's not as, you know, the impact isn't as deadly or lethal because you have on a headgear, you have on bigger gloves, you can get hurt and stop at any time. In a real fight, you can't. I mean, there's been times I've been sparring and I got hit a a certain way and I'm like, time out, hold on. I walk off, and go, you all right? Yeah, yeah, man, let me shake that off. Can't do that in a real fight, you know? And you had on smaller gloves, no headgear. You're getting busted up. I mean, it's, it's night and day. I mean, it's the best, closest preparation for a fight, but it's night and day sparring and fighting in a real professional boxing match. And then in sparring, you just have a few people in the gym... In the boxing match, the whole crowd, announcers, you know, commentators—I mean, a packed house cheering and wanting bloods like the gladiators back in the day. That's what I think boxers are—the modern-day gladiators. When you we used to go and they had the big arena, and those guys would go in there and fight and fight to the death and kill each other, and everybody would cheer for the champion. You know, we just took out the knives and the certain aspects and put on gloves, but it's still the same thing. There's still fatalities, there's still uh, a lot of damage being inflicted and you know, and they get paid for it, you know, so it's kinda it kinda reminiscent of those same things. Uh back to the design fight tonight. Um uh, so now they have, so Logan Paul lost to KSI. They fought twice. The first time they fought, it was a draw, and they still had the gears and all that on. So when they came to America, Eddie Hearns, which I'm not a big fan of, you know, he scooped them up on that new network where he got the billion dollars. Like, like I'll throw you on there because he just wants subscriptions. And uh, he made them turn pro because, of course, we don't want to see nobody fighting in the headgear. So now these YouTubers are becoming uh, actually professional fighters according to the laws. You know, they're filling out an application and becoming professional fighters, however comical that that may be. Uh, So Logan Paul was, was trained by Let's Go Champ. Let's go, champ. Shannon Briggs. You know, he would holler, let's go, champ, a hundred times before he actually makes an intelligent sentence. Uh, I'm not going to be a total hater. Let's go, champ is a great motivational phrase, but I mean, you have to say something else with that. Uh, it's, his let's go, champ is like, can he can use it to answer any question. So they got most of these guys got um professional fighters to train them in the hopes that, you know, we'll make them look good to the eye. Eddie Hearns don't want them to go out and be swinging like girls and windmilling and helicoptering and I mean we want it to look somewhat close to a real boxing match. So Logan Paul hires Let's go champ, uh, Mr. Shannon the Cannon, Big Head Briggs, and uh, KSI goes and uh, you know pays for the services of uh, Jeff Mayweather. A lot of people don't know Jeff Mayweather, but there's another Mayweather uncle, brother, cousin, named Jeff Mayweather. He actually trains at the Mayweather gym And because the the two popular ones were Roger Mayweather and Floyd Sr. But there is a Jeff Mayweather out there. So KSI, he hires uh, Jeff Mayweather. And uh, there they go. They put them both in training camp. Well, Logan Paul is a big, tall, you know, uh, nicely built white guy. So, you know, uh, Shannon Briggs was thinking they start – you know, doting lofty goals on this guy, talking about he's going to continue boxing. He's going to continue boxing after this celebrity boxing match, is what I call it. And, you know, he has aspiration of one day being heavyweight champion. That was totally, as Mike Tyson say, totally ludicrous. But, you know, that's the delusional Shannon Briggs for you. So, he actually goes out there and loses. And it was a foregone conclusion. I even thought he was going to win, but he lost. Well, he has a brother, Jake Paul. He's Logan Paul, his brother Jake Paul. His brother is a YouTuber that has five, six million followers. So, now Jake's going to fight... He wants to avenge his brother's loss to KSI, but in order for him to make it to fight KSI, because KSI already said he's not going to fight Logan Paul again. So or in order for his brother to avenge uh, his loss, as he claims he's going to protect the family name, I never heard of none of these guys before they got main event put on the zone by Eddie Hearns. He has to beat a guy named Gib. Now, Gib is a much smaller guy, really goofy, doofus-looking guy. But he has 6 million followers on YouTube. So now they're doing only the most, you know, highly-followed people can enter in these ridiculous celebrity matches. But think about it. If he got 6 million, he got 5 million, you're bringing 11 million more fans that never watch boxing to watch you know what i mean and they're tuning in they're gonna see the undercard of real fighters they're gonna see the main events uh if these celebrity guys aren't the main event and they're gonna pay and buy a subscription and guess what when just like me i pay for the year so guess what now you're paid for a year you're gonna be watching free boxing For the rest of the year. Because you already made your one time payment. So it's genius to. The more people you bring in. The more people. Subsequently ends up being boxing fans. So. That part of it I like. So. Jake Paul has to beat this goofy little kid. Named Dib. Gib. And if he beats this guy. Which he should. with no problem. Because this guy looks like He has. Zero skills. Uh, he can fight KSI Nix, which is the guy that beat his brother Logan Paul. It'll be funny if KSI beat bro, both both the brothers. They won't be able to tell him anything. But uh, so Gib, he go hire. Uh, uh, who who does Gib have? Oh no, Jake Paul. Jake Paul, the brother of Logan Paul, he didn't he didn't hire Shannon Briggs like his brother, so he's hired Sugar Shane Mosley, five time division Hall of Famer Shane Mosley, Sugar Shane Mosley. I could talk all day about Sugar Shane Mosley. I'm not gonna get into his accomplishment, but um, uh, he was the first person I think to beat Oscar De La Hoya. And he he was a lightweight champion. To me, you know, I mean, I might be biased, but I think he's the greatest lightweight of all times. And a lot of people will dispute that because, of course, you got Roberto Duran, you got um, Sweet Pea, and you have um, one other person that people like bringing up. It was a lot of light, nice lightweights. But Shane, with his strength, he was much too big for the weight division, which is a good thing. In boxing, you always wanna fight under your weight. You always wanna fight a weight division under your natural walk-around weight. So if he's, I mean, as low as you can get, the better. That's the advantage of boxing. You get down, you get down, it don't matter. Whatever you weigh, just take off 20 pounds you know, and fight. So, of course, it was great that he got down to lightweight, and he was just beating those guys senseless. I mean, if you go back and watch any Shane Mosley fights from lightweight, they're going to be pure, pure, pure destruction. I mean, just offhand, you know, if I was to throw some names at you, because you can, of course, get on YouTube, Oh, man. His last fight against... uh, uh, I mean, look, the fight against John Molina uh, versus Shane Mosley is a fight you can look up. Um, That was... (laughs) Oh, my God. A fight against a guy named Sabalos. Oh, my God. A fight even against a guy that I know... Uh, named Golden Johnson, um, it was so many fights he had uh, at lightweight that were just he was destroying everyone, just pure destruction. Um, so that's a thing. That's a good thing. But he's tra- he's training Jake Paul, so hopefully he's imparted some of that championship wisdom on him. And hopefully, I actually want Jake Paul to win, uh, so they can set up the little KSI fight. I guess I didn't got into the drama now, but uh, I do like the fact that it's bringing a lot of millions of fighters, new boxing fans to boxing that would have never watched boxing, never paid for a subscription to see boxing, and that's one reason why I like the uh, the UFC fighter. Uh, Conor McGregor when he fought Mayweather a lot of people said that was a horrible fight it was a farce uh, that fight shouldn't be counted on his record I disagree I think it they said of course De La Hoya cause he's the biggest hater and uh, especially the Mayweather hater the biggest Mayweather hater is gonna be De La Hoya at number one and Bob Arum of top rank at number two um, but De La Hoya, he's the single biggest Mayweather hater you're gonna ever find, for obvious reasons. Mayweather beat him. Mayweather embarrassed him. Mayweather talked, you know, I talked him. I duelled him with the words. I duelled him with the fists. Um, probably I duelled him with the money. It was just he just he didn't like nothing about it, and he couldn't beat him. So oh well. He just got to deal with it. But uh, he said that the Conor McGregor fight is a farce. It hurts boxing. And then he said he wouldn't mind fighting McGregor. Now, when Mayweather and McGregor fought, Conor McGregor earned $100 million for that fight. Conor McGregor had, you know, a plethora of wins at the UFC. And his highest his highest payday at that point was two million dollars, somewhere around there. Two, two point five, maybe even three. So you go from making two million dollars a fight to a hundred million dollars for one fight. Now that should end all discussions of people who saying UFC is taking over boxing. UFC has overtook boxing. Just look at the paychecks. First of all, UFC hasn't been around that long. Second of all, boxers are being paid so much more money than UFC fighters are being paid. So what is the, the, the judging criteria for anyone who thinks UFC has overtook an MMA fighting in a cage with some little drawers on with your genitalia in each other's face. How would you think that brutal, you know, uh, caveman fighting would beat the sweet science of boxing? I don't know. Maybe because I'm a boxer, people think I'm being biased, but men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. I mean, if you're making $1 a fight, And you go to boxing and make a hundred million a fight. Is there any question about which sport is is thriving, which sport is on top, which sport is more lucrative, which which sport is number one? Like I say, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. One million dollars versus one hundred million dollars, I think it's a no brainer. So but Unlike many people, in the hater Oscar De La <laughs> I'm not going to even call him that Oscar De La Hoya, I think that that fight between uh, Conor McGregor and Mayweather helped boxing for the same reason I think these celebrity YouTubers fighting is helping boxing. When Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, it brought all the UFC fans to boxing. They all had to buy the channels, pay for the the pay-per-views, sign up for the subscriptions, and they all had to watch boxing. They never, you know, they die hard UFC, they never would have watched boxing. Just like boxing, die hard boxing is not dropping $50 to go watch John Jones or Anderson Silva or none of those guys fight. We like, man, I don't watch that UFC stuff. You know, I might catch a few highlights on YouTube, but I ain't paying for it because that's how I am right now. Um, Only person kind of who intrigued everyone was Conor McGregor. So when him and Mayweather fought, uh, boxing was exposed to all those millions of UFC fans that would have never watched boxing before. Now they're boxing fans. So anything that's a crossover I think is good for the sport. Anything that brings more fans to the sport, I think is good for the sport. Anything that opens us up to a a new demographic, I think is good for the sport. So, everybody, let's not be too mad about these fights tonight. Go get the Zone, download it, you know, use the free trial subscription. You can pay the month-to-month subscription or do like me and save money and uh, just buy for a year. (laughs) And then you don't have to worry about it. Because another thing, when I was talking about Eddie Hearns and they gave him a billion dollars just to go shake up the world and try to start his own boxing channel. Like I said, he had the number one boxing attraction, which was Anthony Joshua. Then he goes and signs the number two boxing attraction that's canelo alvarez saul canelo redhead ginger spice alvarez so, and he gives canelo 325 million you know what i mean he is throwing money around like crazy so if you want to see the number one fighter you gotta watch the zone you want to see the number two fighter you gotta watch the zone so it, he was smart. He, he he he, tried to throw money at some fighters. They wouldn't come, of course. But it is very hard to turn on those dollars. I mean, if it don't make dollars, then it don't make sense. And it's hard to pay your rent and still be legit. Uh, that's 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 a line from Tupac. I don't know if y'all caught that, but. That's basically what it is. So, you know, it's kind of like you have to go with the times, if you ask me. You know, old people are set in their ways. But, you know, the younger generation always runs the world. So that's why I always try to keep a few younger friends. So, like, I stay updated on, you know, the latest music, the latest fashion, the latest uh, expressions, terms. Cold words or whatever, you know, you want to stay relevant, you want to stay up to date with everything. And with these celebrity YouTubers boxing, that's the new wave. If it's bringing in 20 million new followers that never would have watched boxing, I'm all for it. Uh, I just don't think they should ever be the main event. That's my only thing. So, tonight, tune into the zone on a Thursday. And uh there are gonna be two or three championship fights and then there'll be the this <laughs> whatever you wanna call it, the YouTubers fight. I mean, that's whatever it is. Now last week, um catching up with what happened this weekend, uh brief recap, um Danny Garcia fought, Ivan Redcat. And uh, actually, Ivan, he won a very lackluster decision. Like I said last week in episode one, this is episode two. uh, Knockout cures a plethora of sins. Uh, You can have the most boring fight for eight, nine, ten rounds. Once you knock a guy out cold, all people remember is the knockout. They don't remember that how horrible you were for 10 rounds. They remember that you knocked them out. And then you can always go into the press post-fight press conference and just lie about it. Like, yeah, I was taking my time. I was uh, setting him up because that's what Wilder did with his last fight. I was getting him in range, and as soon as I finally lined him up for the right shot, I took it, and I knocked him out. And people will really believe that. I think that Deontay Wilder must stop losing so many rounds. I mean, it's a must. You must stop losing so many rounds. My co-host, who isn't here today, Mean Gene Hill, he used to have um, the same, uh, what would you call it, System, I'll call it a system. He had the same system in amateur boxing. Me and him uh, were the two top amateurs coming out of uh, Houston, where we're from, Texas. And we would represent, I would win mostly all the heavyweight fights, and he would win all the super heavyweight tournaments. So we used to travel together and fight together. We were teammates. And I would clean up the heavyweights. He'll beat all the super heavyweights, and that's kind of how we made a bond with each other. Well, one time we were in Kansas City. No, we were not in Kansas City. We were in Kansas. I know it's a difference. We were in Kansas at this uh, national tournament, and I go and I win my fight, and by decision because I wasn't just knocking people out like that in the amateurs i started doing it actually in this tournament but the first night i won a decision and in these tournaments if you lose one time you're out the tournament so you could have came a day travel you could have came from london they had people from canada they had people from everywhere all states all came to kansas you lose one time you're gone home So you didn't travel (laughs) a million miles and a million hours, go in there and lose, go home. Now I think you should lose twice, but you know, a little elimination tournament, but they don't have it like that. And one loss, okay, and one loss will end it. Well, Eugene, Hill, he used to lose every round of the fight every round of the fight and then he would knock the guy out in the last round and i'm like eugene you gotta stop doing it and then i go second night and i beat my guy and i want to go see eugene fight so i'll go to his fight he come in losing losing first round lose second round lose third round then he knocks the guy out and i'm like man <laughs> and the only reason i'm bringing this up is because one of me and Eugene's most favorite memories together it was at the Ringside National Tournament, and um, he fought this big old tall muscular white guy. This guy and I never seen him before or after this tournament. This is the only time I ever seen this guy, and I only seen him fight Eugene, Mean Gene, like he wants, he likes to be called this guy came and was lighting eugene up like i mean he was lighting him up like christmas like new year's like like fourth of july anything where fireworks were going off fast jab fast right hand combinations everything i mean i could not but i've never I, if if i would have based it just on the first three rounds he would have been the greatest amateur fighter i ever seen I couldn't believe it. And Eugene was losing and getting beat up every round. And I was like, Well, this is it. That's what I said to myself. This this strategy of losing rounds and coming back to knock the guy out, it is you know, sooner or later to catch up with you. I'm like, it ain't finally caught up with him. He ain't gonna and if if I go to a championship and he don't go to the championship, it'll be just be messed up what happens last round Eugene comes out and knocks this dude out cold I mean when I mean cold the guy was snoring in the ring like you if you were there you could hear him snoring and oh my god what a win and Eugene goes to win the championship I went on and find the championship so it was a. it was I knocked some guy teeth out <laughs> But that's another day for another story. Well, thanks for coming along with me for episode two of None So Strong Boxing Podcast. Next time, we'll be back here with my boy, Mean Gene Hill. And I want to say thank you and keep on punching.